It's Thursday at 10 a.m. and you're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM, talking all things sports with a special focus on our Auburn Tigers here on the Plains. If you want to be a part of today's action, feel free to tweet at us at Daniel J. Locke or the Griggs B. Let's get into the action. Good morning and welcome into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I am Daniel Locke. Alongside me as always, Griggs Blankenberg. We have a loaded show for you today, but first, to get things started, we have a very special guest with us. We have Adam Cole of the Opelika Auburn News. Adam and I, have we met at a softball game we were covering in April and have become pretty good buddies, I would say. So, Adam, how are you this morning? Doing all right, man. Can't complain too much. Thanks, Thanks so much for on. coming on. Griggs, yeah. how are you? Doing good, doing good. Just only had one class today, so that's kind of a good good feeling to just go into tomorrow with a weekend almost feeling that way. So That's my good. life on every Thursday. <laughs> oh, wait. Not my lab. I forgot about that. <laughs> I hate that class. Anyway, sports. Sports. So, first, Adam, we ask all of our guests from the Beat This, how did you get your start in media? Oh gosh. Um, so I would have been a. Hmm. I mean, if we're really going to the start, like uh, what piqued my interest was I was in seventh grade and um, I really liked the NFL draft of all things, perhaps the, the lamest live event in sports. Um, and I just started doing like the Mel Kuyper mock drafts on like my Facebook wall as a seventh grader. And then. Um, I found a website um, called Walter Football. I don't even know if it still exists, but you could you could post your own mock drafts, and it was like a blog site basically, and get viewership and interaction. And um, I did that for a couple years, um, and it it did pretty well, at least for for a seventh grader, eighth grader to think. It, I think it was like fifty five thousand views between like seven posts which felt like a lot and so then I started doing the student paper as a as a sophomore in high school um and all that time up I'd been kind of just doing the 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 draft stuff and took a course on football personnel evaluation and kind of got to know that and then I realized I really liked the the news side of things too and putting together a print product and so it's just kind of how I got into it but yeah it's that's that's where the interest really peaked and, and kind of kick-started things for sure that's awesome very cool to hear so, we brought you on today to talk about some Auburn basketball with us, and our first question is, what stands out to you and what little of a sample size we've had so far? Yeah, so it's um, definitely a little sample size, and, and, you know, for those who don't know, this is my first year on the beat, too, so I'm, it, it's all pretty new to me, um, but, you know, I mean, I still saw things at a distance last year. Um, I'm really, I, I'm definitely interested to see where things kind of continue to, to trend for this team, because I, I think it says a lot when you were able to have as poor of a shooting night as they did against George Mason and, and still managed to, to beat that team by, I think it was 18 points. Um, and, and uh, you know, they did a lot of that on the defensive end. And I, I think when you're able to, to find success in that way, if you know, assuming they can maintain that defensive success, I, I think that'll that's something that can tide them over in a lot of games. Of course, you, you've got to figure out the shooting aspect because, you know, if you can find a team that defends you as, as well as you defend them, then, you know, they're going to win if they can shoot better, of course. But, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of interested to, to see where things go because, you know, Janai Broom looked w- looked really good on a bum ankle. Um, and, and as a team, defensively, I mean, they just looked they looked really good. So, you know, they've got to figure out the shooting piece. But um, I, I, I think intrigue is, is the word I'd use to, to describe them so far. 
Well, when you're looking at this team, really, you kind of answered in your last question, but like, what do you see this team's strengths really being in that regard? Uh, uh, you know, I mean, BP talked about it all offseason, too. He talked about the depth, and it's it's funny. It's it's such a lame thing to kind of write out the depth, um, but, you know, he's he's played 10-man rotation. He played it in the exhibition against Huntsville, and, of course, he played it against George Mason. I think 15 guys hit the floor um, against George Mason, you know, f- four four of them. I, I guess we'd say are, are kind of the bench warmers, but um, you know, was looking back at it during the exhibition, and I think like only four times last year, fifteen guys touched the floor, um, and and you know, I mean, it wasn't like they all happened in the first four games either. It was kind of spread out. So um, you know, that depth, um, I think, as as things kind of progress, you know, as Johan Traor kind of settles into it more because he's still incredibly new to the game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Janai looks proven. Um, Chance Westry is is the big, you know, that's somebody that BP said, you know, was probably going to start for them until he got injured. I think that'll that'll add such an element to it that that they might be missing. And who knows, maybe maybe the addition of of Westry back into the fold, uh, you know, improves them substantially as as far as, you know, scoring goes. Um, So, you know, that's kind of. I'm realizing now I'm, I'm forgetting where the question even started, but uh, the strengths, uh, strengths. But, yeah, I think the depth is probably their biggest thing. And then if they can keep it up defensively like that, and I think that's that's the question right now with that strength is, like, can they maintain that? Can they keep it up? Does it show up in SEC play? Um, so we'll see. But I think those are the two things that you kind of got to look at right now. So, like, obviously looking at last year, a team that had high expectations, they were a two seed, had an argument to be a one seed, but they didn't make it past around to 32. How much, um, like, how capable do you think this team is of making a deep tournament run? I think you've got to see some things in, in the first place, and I, I think the first thing that you've got to see is the effectiveness of, of the scoring. You've got to see that develop and, and get better. I, I'd seen a graphic. Um, I've been digging for it. I, I can't find it on, on Twitter, but I had seen a graphic that said as, as far as, like, efficient shots uh, through through the first game uh, for, for, you know, college basketball teams um, – I guess Auburn shot efficient shots, uh, I guess, is, is my point against George Mason. Uh, some of the most more efficient um, shot choices in the country. But, of course, you know, if they don't fall, then, you know, what's the, you know, what's what's the point? What's the deal? Um, so, I, so I think, like, you know, for them to be able to, to make a run, they've got to they've got to figure that out. And I think, you know, um, last year, if I'm right, they kind of struggled on the road, mm-hmm. uh, especially yeah. towards the end of the year. Um, and so, I mean, you've got to, you've got to make sure that you're, you're coming out and being consistent regardless of where you're at. You know, that, that home advantage is, is pretty big, but I mean, you look at the schedule, I know it's a little different, uh, to this year and pretty sure they get, they get Tennessee here at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. And so that'll be last game of the year. Yeah. So that, that'll be really big. Arkansas's here this year too, if I'm right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm pulling it up right now. Cause I, I don't know right off the top of my head, but yeah, you've got, you've got Tennessee at home. Um, you've got, you're on the road for Kentucky, on the road at Alabama at the end of the year. Um, of course you get Alabama at home too. And, um, you're on the road for Tennessee earlier in the year too. So like, you know, they, they've just got to make sure that they're, I think, capable on the road and, and they've got to, you know, figure out the scoring, but you know, they didn't seem incredibly worried about that. BP didn't seem worried about it. KD didn't seem worried about it post game after George Mason. So, you know, there's still, there's still a lot of time left to, to figure out that that kind of stuff and so um i think those are kind of the two biggest things that that they'll need to figure out if they want to make a deep run this year um for sure but you know i mean it's it's also about like it's kind of about timing and and getting hot and you know you look at it was crazy to me last year that a team like a&m didn't make the tournament 
um, after the run that they went on. But it's, you know, part of it is, is about peaking at the right time. And so who knows? You know, I mean, maybe maybe they underperform in the regular season and finish lower than expected and maybe even get a lower seed. But if, if they can peak at the right time, do well in the tournament too, you know, I think that's that's something that, that'll play into it way more than, you know, a lot of people think about currently, you know, since we're so at the start of it all right now, you know, so. Yeah, you talking about schedule, like that last week to end the season, three straight games at Kentucky, at Alabama, home versus Tennessee. That's one of the tougher three-game stretches I really can see in college basketball right now with that. But then going off what you're talking about, the schedule, what's like an underrated game you kind of see for this Auburn team having this year? I have one in my mind. I just want to hear your opinion on what you think is an underrated game that people need to be aware of. Um, you know, looking at it, the non-conference schedule, I, I think, has the potential to be really daunting. Um, of course, you got Memphis in a neutral site that's that's pretty close to home. But then, granted, USC lost. If I'm right, it was at home to Florida Gulf Coast. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, you know, I mean, that's also, for what it's worth, I mean, the A-Sun has looked, they've looked surprisingly decent through kind of the start. Um, you know, Bellarmine, I think, took down Louisville last night. They too. did by one. Bellarmine's pretty good, though. I, I got the chance to watch Bellarmine a bit last year, and, and they're that's a pretty good team. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, you're on the road for USC and Washington, and, and you've got St. Louis and I, just some pretty decent schools in the non-conference. And so I, I think you could call any of those games, you know, pretty tough. Um, I guess the ones to keep an eye on, it's not really a surprise, but, like, Arkansas in January, even though you've got them at home – depending on how that team shakes out, could be even tougher than, than what you had on the road last year. Um, I think, you know, you, you look at, can A&M keep it up if A&M rides the wave of last year? Those can be tough games. Um, you know, Missouri looks completely different. Now, I don't know if that means that they'll look good mm-hmm. in February, but that's a team that I know is completely different from last year, brought in a ton of talent. Um, Dennis Gates retained their top recruit from last year and and I think if Alabama reaches the potential that that everyone expects them to I think those games are going to be insanely tough I don't I don't know how many on here are really surprises in my eyes this early um but you know as as we go on you know for all we know some of them could really develop into that but but what what's the game you were kind of looking at I was kind of looking at that St. Louis game really they're one of the more underrated mid-major teams in the nation you got Yuri Collins coming back the nation's top assist man last year who gave Auburn a one their toughest game since that UConn game last year on the road when it came down to a Leor Berman um, game winning three, not at the buzzer, but – and then you had a chance, like they had a chance to inbound the ball and score, and the Auburn defense held. So I think that's one. And then they have their second-best player, I forgot his name, coming back off an ACL injury, and that's going to be the day after the Iron Bowl. So stu- all the students may not be back yet. Mm-hmm. That's one I'm just kind of – I have a question mark over for – Auburn's because that is a good mid-major team yeah I, I actually I, I had them in my preseason AP ranking I had them at I had them at 21 and, and it's it, they're one of those squads that I think like if they reach the full potential um, I think you're right they're they're gonna be really good um, but uh, I think it's just a matter of if because they've had a few years like that um, you know a couple of recent seasons where I, I think it's a matter of if they reach that potential then it all checks out and works out but um you know, big if, but I think you're right. I think that could be a really tough game for them for sure. So kind of uh, obviously Friday night, a USF team coming in that's kind of been struggling a little bit. What are some keys to a comfortable Auburn win over that team? I, I think this early in the season, it's it's still a lot of um, 
you know, as cliche as it is, like I think Auburn's probably still looking at itself more than anything in, in ways that it can make sure it's it's not hurting itself um, any more than it than it should. Um, you know, and so I think I'd imagine that going into that one, they're going to be focused on just kind of maintaining maybe trying to find success in the same ways that they did against George Mason on that defensive end, but then also just kind of uh, doing better, you know, shooting. I think that's, that's the biggest thing. Um, Cause I mean, this, this early in the year, I don't, I don't know that you're necessarily scheduling really daunting, you know, tough opponents. And um, so I think, I think it'll be a matter of, you know, making sure you're, you're getting guys settled in and, and, you know, I think it'll be big to kind of see Trey Orr's development um, through these next few games, kind of as you're at home. And, and, you know, I mean, you've got Winthrop after that. You've got a Texas Southern team that, that made the tournament last year, of course, but um, that's two more home games against very beatable opponents where I think you just kind of want to get your guys settled in. And, um, you know, when when's Chance Westry, ugh, excuse me, when is Chance Westry back? I think that'll be a big point um, to just kind of monitor because um, I know – can't remember how long ago it was, but but BP said he'd be out for about three to four ish weeks, and I mean we got to be at least halfway through that at this point, if I'm right. And mm-hmm. so you know, I, I think right now those are kind of the big things. I think if you're if you're Auburn, um, you know, I'm I'm sure that they'll beat USF, and and if they don't, obviously you got to go back to the drawing board and figure out what the heck went wrong. But um, I'd imagine that at this point they're just kind of focusing on on what they can do more than anything, and and I'd say the biggest keys are you know rely on those two strengths that you've already seen proven in one game and, and just try to add more to it. Uh, you know, I'd imagine just being more efficient shooting is, is probably the biggest thing, you know, because even from the free throw, free, ugh, free throw line, they, you know, they didn't have a great line against George Mason. And so I'd imagine that's probably where they're looking more than anything. Yeah. All right. So this will be probably our last question. So coming in new to the Auburn beat this year, what was your really take on that Auburn jungle student section this first couple of games, since that's kind of the thing that Auburn's been known for these past couple of years? So I grew up – um, I grew up 20 minutes outside of Lawrence, Kansas. Okay. Um, so growing up, uh, college basketball was always you'd go to Allen Fieldhouse, and, and Allen Fieldhouse is Allen Fieldhouse. And I I know a lot of people would argue like Cameron Indoor or Rupp Arena or whatever like there like that there are venues in in college basketball that are rival it and be better than that. And I, personally, I don't, I don't know that there's ever a better venue than than the Fieldhouse, just because it's like it's like a barn in and of itself. There's no AC. You're sweating your butt off, but it's loud and it's it's crazy for every single game. Um, and once I got out of that, I went to Mizzou for four years, and and you know the environment at Mizzou could be pretty lame at times. Um, but I think it's it's true that whenever you get enough bodies into an arena like that, like it can really get rocking, and and that's something that like I kind of noticed through. George Mason, but then also, um, you know, I mean, you even noticed it with the exhibition was just like that student section, especially like carried the weight of, of the environment. And so I'm really eager to get into conference play and, and see what it's like when like, you know, when Arkansas comes to town, um, when you've got Florida and Todd Golden coming to town, when you've got um, Alabama in here in, in February, um, and when you've got Tennessee in here at the end of the year, those really big games where you've got to be anticipating a, a sellout because, um, you know, it, it makes for a loud environment on its own, that, that student section. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm really curious to see Neville at its, at its full capacity with, with not only the jungle but, like, the entire stadium kind of behind it because you can, you can feel the environment for sure. All right, Adam, thank you so much for taking the time out of your very, very busy schedule of football season. Come talk sports with us.
And is there anything else you'd like to close with? No, just thanks for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you for no coming. No problem. On. So we're going to step away. When we come back, Greg's what are we talking about? I forgot. Talking about Auburn football, That's Daniel. That's it. That's it. That's the one. You're listening to the Eagles Nest with Daniel Locke and Greg Blankenberg on Weagle 91.1 FM, and we'll be right back. And welcome back into the Eagles Nest, everybody. Once again, you're hanging out here with Daniel Locke and Greg Blankenberg. We want to thank Adam Cole of the Auburn Opelika News for coming in chatting some Auburn basketball with us. But now it's time to kick it into Auburn football. This weekend's matchup, the Auburn Tigers are facing the Texas A&M Aggies. That'll be Saturday in Jordan-Hare, 6.30 p.m. Central on the S- on ESPN2, I think. Uh, no, SEC Network. My apologies. So, yes. All right, Daniel. But before like all this stuff talks, the national media hyping this game up as the battle for bowl eligibility is kind of pretty funny. Yeah, especially considering, like, on one hand, I mean, Auburn battling for bowl eligibility, I don't think that really surprises a lot of people. But Texas A&M, like, the number one recruiting class coming into this season, one of the highest-rated recruiting classes ever, like, in the history of 24-7 sports and all that. So the fact that they are 3-6 and six is hilarious. Yeah, and it just goes to really – I mean, Auburn's a point-and-a-half favorite in this one. I think it's the first time they've been favored since Missouri. So that sound about right. It's just crazy, really, that it's like this right now. And what all has like really happened in the past? I mean, the the attitude around the the program now is completely flipped upside down since Brian Harson was fired. And thanks to Cadillac Williams and them, I mean, he got them up to play against Mississippi State. I mean, they made what had been criticized in the Harson error the entire time of not being able to make second half adjustments and were able to come out in the second half against a pretty decent Mississippi State team and almost come back and win that game. Yeah, they gave it their best effort. They fought, and that is the hardest I've seen an Auburn Tigers football team play probably in a long time. Well, they played their butts off in the Iron Bowl last year. They really did. But just this game was on a different level. Like, those guys were amped up. They were ready to go. And Cadillac really did his best. And it's just been a while since I just feel like we've seen that just raw effort where we're going to give it everything we have. And it was just really encouraging to see that. And I think if Auburn can manage to do that again, they might be setting themselves up pretty well. Yeah, when you're looking at this game, too, with A&M 3-6-1-5 in conference, um, a lot of questions. I mean, their defense has been their uh, main standpoint throughout the, the year. Where they've beaten, where they've had the decent. I mean, they they allow only 173 pass yards a game. They allow a little bit more rushing yards than Auburn does, but that's what they were kind of touted as going into this year. But when you have all those stars, you should be good on both sides of the ball. Yeah, you should. And the fact that they're not it just really brings into question how good of a coach is Jimbo Fisher. I mean, maybe if he, he's probably still using the same game plan he played with Jim uh, with Jameis Winston in the 2013 National Championship. So. If he could send that to Dennis Allen, that'd be great. <laughs> um, but, yeah, both these teams have, are coming into this with a uh, five-game losing streak. So, I mean, both have played different teams. I mean, but a common opponents they both played in that span. They both have lost to Mississippi State. Auburn lost to them by sixth. A&M lost to them by 18. And Ole Miss, Auburn lost to – them by what was that uh, math it's hard 14 and then A&M lost them by three so and just think like those that A&M or not A&M that um, Ole Miss game and that Arkansas game specifically were pretty winnable 
I mean, Arkansas. They did win. A and B, Arkansas. Oh, ex- oh my fault. Remember when um, I thought you were referring to Auburn. the the no, I, I got you. Yeah. I thought you were referring to Auburn. My fault. Oh yeah, no, Auburn them. lost to them. Auburn's yeah. lost every West opponent now, at least yeah, one yeah. game. But yeah, it's just I mean, the, it's just such a confusing team. I mean, granted they they beat Arkansas in Jerry World. They lose to Bama by four points because Jimbo Fisher runs a goal line pylon cutback with one second left on the clock. Yeah, I don't really know what that was. Yeah, and then the Mississippi State Ole Miss game was pretty winnable too. But I mean, they were hanging in there with Florida. I mean, did you hear like how like one third of their like starters were out because of the flu? Yeah, and they hung in there with Florida for a while. Then Florida in the end pulled away. But this one is pretty big for Jimbo and the Aggies because they they need both these teams need to win one to stay bowl eligibility possible. But then they have UMass coming up next after Auburn and then LSU. So. I mean, they have a good – I mean, UMass is a good cupcake to have, but I don't think they're going to be LSU, so they really need this one to just salvage anything they can. No, especially just, like, how good LSU looks. I'm pretty optimistic that LSU is a team that can make a push for the college football playoff. Um, they're going to be in Atlanta, and I think if they win there, then that's really going to do it for them. My thing is with A&M is, like, Grand P, everyone talks about Jimbo's buyout, right? Like $90 million. If you go – he has a possibility to go – Okay, let's just say for the fact that we don't think they're going to be LSU. Let's say they lose to Auburn, they beat UMass. They go four and eight. They are going to fire him. Yeah, that doesn't matter what uh, the money will not matter if if the, you want someone gone enough, the money will come about. I mean, that oil money they have there seems unlimited. Really, is what I've said the past couple of days. But if they go four and eight, there's no way in the world that he is sticking around for next year. After last year's kind of disappointing end of last year as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree on that. But then for this Auburn side, it's just you lose Austin Troxel for the year, so that already not not really great offensive line suffers more injuries. So now you got to protect him more against a pretty good D line. I mean, their A and M's not been good this year, but granted their D line's still gotten after the quarterback. So Robbie Asher might have his day cut out for him. Yeah, I think so too. Um, and I really feel like just this. Um, what this has in common with really just so many other college football games is it really all comes back to quarterback play. Can Robbie Ashford really look competent? And this week, it's not as hard as it normally is to outplay the other quarterback. Because normally when you're in the SEC, you're going up against a good quarterback every single week. No disrespect to Hayes King, but he's not K.J. Jefferson or really one of the better quarterbacks Auburn's faced this year. I don't think um, he's starting. I think it's going to be Connor Wingman. Really? I think that's what I heard. I don't know how I missed that, but uh, from Cypress, Texas, I believe he's a true freshman. Oh, okay. Uh, they have him there as the stats. I mean, Hayes King started the year and he played last week. I think it's Connor Wigman who's starting because I remember seeing some news about it. But yeah, I think Wigman's going to be the starter. He's already played this year. I mean, he's but done pretty good. I mean, four hundred twenty-nine yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions through. I think only one game. Or no, he played two games. He played eight snaps, um, fifteen attempts versus South Carolina, but then he played most of the game versus Ole Miss. So most of his stats came versus Ole Miss. So he's going to be the start of this for this game. So mm-hmm. he's looked pretty competent, 6'2", 215. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't turn the ball over. So, I mean, that Auburn defense has started to look a lot better now too. So, Yeah, I agree. So I feel like the Auburn defense is going to show up, and I feel like they're really going to limit how much Texas a is able to do. Which what that means for the Auburn offense is, sorry, per usual guy, y'all. Oh. 
they don't have to do as much <laughs> as they normally do. Oh, yawning in the mic. That was funny. Look, that was funny. I, oh, whatever. But um, I think this is a big one for um, the running game needs to be pretty good here. Like, Tank ne- Bigsby needs to have a pretty big game because they A&M's main thing, as we said earlier, is their pass defense has been pretty good. Mm-hmm. And Auburn's struggle this year has been passing and catching the football. So Auburn's going to need to have a pretty good day on the run attack game. To I think it's going to be a very close game. We're giving our picks at the end of the day, but this is about as even matched as you can get right now. Two teams who have been struggling as of late with who are who want to be back near the top of the SEC eventually. So this one could mean a lot. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. And let's just if Auburn wins, that puts you at four and six. Mm-hmm. And then obviously, if they can win this, I'm pretty confident that they can pull it out against Western Kentucky. And then that would make the Iron Bowl a battle for if Auburn could somehow get it done, bow eligibility. So the question on that, and I know I'm getting a few weeks ahead of myself, mm-hmm. but this Alabama team has n- nothing to play for at this point. So I mean, yeah, you got to think about this from this aspect. I mean, LSU would have to drop one more game for them to make to for Alabama to potentially make it to um, Atlanta, and it'd have to be versus certain opponents, I think, too. Yeah, and just looking at what LSU has remaining down the stretch, it's just not that complicated. I mean, we just already talked about we had they had A and M. They need to drop yeah. either against Arkansas or A and M. Yeah, because they're not going to lose to UAB again. <laughs> um, they're they're not going to let that happen. So, but yeah, the thing with Bama, you have to also realize is like when these some of these teams aren't making the playoffs, players are opting out. You think Bryce Young is going to want to play in the Citrus Bowl? No. When he has a chance to be the number one overall pick in the draft? No. So this Auburn versus Alabama game, that might be Bryce Young's last ever game in an Alabama uniform. Yeah. And just looking at how um, just kind of this Auburn team's responded to all the animosity and negativity surrounding the program, once again, I think it's been relatively encouraging to see how they haven't thrown in the towel and haven't given up. I mean, they don't, I've never really seen them throw in the towel this year. I mean, granted, they were playing some not great games, but then what we, we were talking about earlier, like they was not really like the coaching staff just didn't really project them up or give them the tools to win these games. I mean, with Cadillac right now, I mean, they at least were in contention versus Mississippi State. I think they could definitely be in contention versus Texas A&M. Yeah, I think so too. I think they are really going to compete. I really feel like the Auburn family is going to rally around this team here. I do too. I just gonna be a matter of just Auburn needs to have a good start, and they need to just if something goes wrong, they need to address it and fix it immediately. Because you you can't really hope, beg and pray on a twenty four three comeback like they did versus Mississippi State. So you just got to have control throughout the entire game. Right, I agree, and we haven't really talked about this much. What does a big day from Tank Bigsby mean for this Auburn team on Saturday? I mean, it's everything. It is everything to have a big day from Tank Bigsby because. With, again, we talked about that D-line for A&M's been pretty good throughout this year. And so the ability to get the pressure away from Robbie Ashford, Tank needs to have a pretty good day. I mean, he's done pretty well this year. I mean, not the numbers he might have wanted, but still, I mean, he's still looking pretty good with this one. So, yeah, he needs a pretty big day. I think reps from um, um, uh, Jarquez and maybe uh, Demario Alston would help as well just because but the thing I see with Demario Olsen is just the explosiveness he has. When he comes in for those one or two plays, he hits that outside and just goes. But the thing is, they all really, if they do any scouting, they know that he's only going outside. So 
True. Like he's you're not gonna send him up the middle like you might Jarquez or Tank, who just have more of that like power back kind of feel to mm-hmm. him. But I'm we, with you. And we could see more from Robbie running as well. True. Because again, that D line, you might be scrambling a lot more, so can he get it done with his legs? Yeah, that's a big question. And another thing that I feel like is gonna kind of be a difference maker on Saturday is what can Auburn's O line do to provide time? Like obviously you just mentioned it, Austin Troxwell out for the year with his knee. So what's right tackle going to look like? That's an important position. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested to see what kind of Auburn can piece together there and just see if we can get it done from the ball forward. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's going to be a well-fought game throughout, I think. I mean, it could go either way. I feel like I can't see a blowout going either way. So I think it's going to be a competitive game under the lights. So and I'm looking forward to it. All right, so that's going to do it for our preview of the Auburn versus Texas A&M game. What's your take on it? If you feel so inclined, tweet us at Daniel J. Locke or at the Griggs B. You're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM, and we'll be right back with you. Welcome back to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. I'm Daniel Locke. Alongside me today, and as always, Griggs Blankenberg. It is already 1030. Time flies when you're having fun. We got started today with a very good sit-down with Opelika Auburn News' very own Adam Cole, one of the newest Auburn beat reporters and a stand-up guy. You can follow him on Twitter at, I think, Adam Cole, if you feel so inclined. Then, now, oh wait, then we talked about Auburn, Texas A&M. If you are in Auburn, please be there. It's Cole Reporter, sorry. Cole Reporter, that's right. I, I knew it wasn't Adam Cole. Sorry, Adam. Anyway, now it is time for week 11 in college football. And what better place to start than Maction? East Lansing, Michigan at 11 a.m. on Saturday morning on the Big Ten Network as the Rutgers Scarlet Okay, we're done, with, we're done with this talk. I'm tired of talking about Rutgers. They've literally not won a game since we started talking about them. Do not play the Castellanos sound. Do not do it. Oh, you're playing the Noah sound. Okay. What? They literally have not won a game since you've started talking about them. That is the that is that is the stone hard. We do not care. I care because it's fun when they're doing good, and you just have jinxed them. Hello there. Now we have to cut all this out of the podcast version. No, that's not music. You can have sound effects. Oh, didn't know that. But yeah, um, the battle of mid right there, Michigan State versus Rutgers. What do you mean battle of mid? That's the Big Ten championship. There's a re- there's a reason these big they're they're on the Big Ten network. They're both four and five. No, no, BTN stands for Big Time Network. Wait, well, I thought we were gonna talk about Maction first. Because you were talking about that before the break, and I was well, excited. Well, then I saw this game, but yeah, let's let's go on the match. So yeah, so those Maction games have just been wild. Um, they be wild. CM yes, they be wild and. CMU 31 last night versus Buffalo 27. There was like a botched field goal that turned into like a fumble six, I think, or something like that. It was just I don't get like they no one ever talks about like this like crazy plays happening on like when Maction happens on like a Saturday, but when it happens like on a Tuesday or Wednesday night, everything goes crazy. True. And then speaking of that, Conference USA has just announced a five-year media deal with ESPN, CBS, and they're going to shift their entirety of October games to midnight to midweek games similar to Maction in November. So they're going to start, like, Conference USA is going to be, like, the Maction that happens in October. Because Maction really doesn't happen Sweet. until November. So we're going to get some more midweek football earlier in the year, so that's good. But then some other games. Let's start on Saturday. Um, I mean, this game was interesting if it happened at the start of the year. LSU at Arkansas. 
yeah, uh, the battle for Golden Boot. Um, man, if only you're right. If this game had been just a few weeks earlier when Arkansas was still looking really good, this would have been really, really fun. But and this, they lose to Liberty, right? Which then they beat who Arkansas beat Auburn. So did you see Hugh Freeze's um like message to the team after the game? Yeah, I did. That I saw awesome. that. That was funny. Um, but yeah, LSU, LSU knows they can't mess up. They could be the first team that'd be a two loss to get in the playoff. They know that. They just can't mess up. Now the thing is with that regard, I want to hear your take on this. For a team that got absolutely destroyed by Tennessee, who just lost one game, who's not going to the SEC championship. If I can't say because if LSU wins the SEC, I think they can get in. That's almost yeah. like that's almost like a guarantee, like yeah, like a automatic playoff thing in that respect. I can't well, I can't really do that comparison now because they'd have to win to get into the playoff, and then they'd have the upper hand over Tennessee. Who granted Tennessee beat the stuffing out of LSU mm-hmm. at LSU, so yeah, that's an ugly loss. But it was, but then they also lost to Florida State too, so their losses have been pretty ugly. They have, but obviously a win over Alabama always pays dividends. And if they can find a way to pull it out against Georgia and Atlanta, since I feel like at this point, given a God-sized action, that's what it's going to be. LSU and Georgia and Atlanta for the second time in three years. Yeah, Georgia would has to play Mississippi State and Kentucky. They'd have to lose, I think, two of those to get below Tennessee since they'd have the head-to-head. Yeah. And then they play it at home versus Georgia Tech, which I think is the most watered-down rivalry in, like, college football now. Yeah, it's sort of like how we were talking about how manufactured the Saints-Falcons rivalry is, like, in the NFL. I mean, that, that used the Georgia Tech-Georgia rivalry used to be, like, pretty good and competitive when now, but Georgia's Many, just, many moons ago. Now Georgia's leaps and bounds over them. True. It's just two programs on a completely different level. Speaking of programs on the decline, Oklahoma at West Virginia – this Saturday, 11 a.m. on FS1. Again, two highly touted teams to start the year, really. It's not been great for the year one of the Brett Venables era at Oklahoma. No. And West Virginia has had some flashes, but they've also had some real, real struggles. Three and six in the Big 12. Oklahoma's five and four. So five and four for Oklahoma is abysmal. Yeah, sort of like Alabama being seven and two. It's mm-hmm. just horribly bad record for them. Just... I got Oklahoma in this one, but... Yeah, me too. I think they're going to travel up to Morgantown and really just kind of do whatever they want. I'm trying to look... This is some interesting... There's some really, really good games this week, and there's some really, right, meh, meh games. True. It's um, kind of hard to sort them out here, but uh, I've got one. Okay. 11 a.m. on Fox, the Indiana Hoosiers travel to the shoe to take on number two, Ohio State. What's the, what's the line in that one? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Ohio State's a 40-point favorite. FBI says they're a 98.4%. All right, well, this is where Indiana really Minus 40? My goodness. There's no money line. Ohio State's 40 as a 40-point favorite, and the over-under is 58. Look, okay, this is is horrendous. I mean, I'm looking at the last last five for each team is both letters next to the score are different colors, Daniel, for each game, so. Okay, well, just when you think about it like this— all right, amuse me. Okay, so there's no money line on this game. There is no money line. And the over-under is 58. That so, is correct. All right, this is Daniel Locke's just uh, bookie talk right lock here. Lock talk? This is lock talk right here. This is what's going on. So 40 points against a conference opponent is just a lot to cover. And the number four ranked Michigan, not Michigan State, Michigan Wolverines only beat Indiana 31-10. to 10. 
So if you take Indiana to not let Ohio State cover, if you feel so inclined to do that, that is free money. Forty point spread. It's free. I I don't know, man. I mean, they gave up forty five to Penn State. They gave Penn up. State's good. They gave up thirty eight to Maryland. Maryland's good. No, they're not. Yes, they are. You're telling me Maryland Maryland six and three is good? Yes, actually, yes. Six and three for Maryland. That's like a Super Bowl year. If a coach at Maryland goes eight and four every year for like fifteen years, he gets a statue. That's just kind of how those lesser programs work. Whoever the coach is at Indiana is going to get a statue if they win this one. Tom Allen, you are darn right. <laughs> um, Bama at Ole Miss. So the line in this one is Bama is a 11.5-point favorite on the road at Ole Miss. Which is ridiculous. That is kind of ridiculous. Um, but then again, you have to think about Bama coming off a loss. Kind of angry. Yeah, but also this Ole Miss team's good. Better than people want to give them credit for. I mean they're good, but at the same time, like I don't I kinda want Bama to win this one. Why? Because then we get Lane. Potentially. Uh yeah, I don't know. Because then they he realizes, hey, I could be Alabama here. And not have True. to go somewhere else to beat Saban. But that's one of our who you got games. I'll give that pick later. Um UCF at Tulane. This is a good one. I thought game day was going to go here before Texas got it for the second time this year. Um, Gus Malzahn taking on number 17 ranked Tulane. So this is uh, Tulane's a point and a half favorite. Tulane's been one of the underrated teams this year. 8-1, UCF 7-2. That UCF losing to ECU by 21 is abysmal. Yeah. That is unbelievable. And then Tulane, if we do, if we use the transitive property, which me and you tend to do sometimes, yeah, um, Tulane beat them twenty-four to nine. So take that as you will. You and know, another thing, just Gus Malzahn on the road in a big game, just no bueno. Mm-hmm. In- unless you're going to uh, College Station, Texas, Kyle Field, no bueno. Yeah, I agree with that one, but. Yeah, I'm, this is on, also on who you got, so we'll save that towards the end. So I've got one that you're gonna like talking about. I don't. I know which one you're gonna talk about, and I'm just so done with that team now. All right, the number 15 North Carolina Tar Heels at the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. For everyone who doesn't know, this is a very big weekend in the Blankenberg household, which I'm an adoptive member of. No, as Griggs' mother went to North Carolina, mm-hmm. and Griggs' father went to Wake Forest. Yeah, this I'm surprised w- they're coming down this weekend. Man, they come down for both of Wake's biggest games. They came down for the Clemson game when we were playing Missouri, and then they're coming down for the Mid Bowl this weekend, Auburn A&M when North Carolina Wake are playing. But I don't know that. Here's the thing: North Carolina's defense is absolutely terrible. Oh like, yeah, it's it is unbelievably they let, bad. No, Drew Pine put 40 on them. They let Virginia score 28 on them. They let Duke score 35. They let Miami, who got the doors beaten off by Mississippi, uh, by Middle Tennessee, score twenty four points. But, but then Wake's on kind of a skid right now. But I feel like Wake will bounce back in this one. I don't think I put this on here, you got just because I didn't want to pick them again. But I have Wake in this one just because the fact that like, if Wake's offense plays to the level they are, they are going to destroy North Carolina just because yeah. of the fact that Drake May, their quarterback, is their leading passer and rusher. And whenever I see that stat. Together and but your defense is giving up that many points. If your offense struggles in the slightest, 
I mean, look at last year. It was like 50 to like, it was like they both had like 50, North Carolina won and Chapel Hill. So it'll be a high-scoring game over under this one, 77. Yeah, and I feel like that will give Wake a little extra motivation after last year, just North Carolina beating them, them storming the field. Do you think if Wake wins, the fans will storm the field? I don't know, to be honest. I feel like they would since they're ranked, but then again, just they're a better, Wake's a better program than North Carolina. You have to kind of hold yourself to that higher standard. I mean, they're 5-0 in conference, but you're playing 5-0 in the Coastal. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see, but uh, it's going to be during the Auburn game, so I probably won't watch too much of it. Um, I haven't stopped you before. Well, we were playing Missouri. <laughs> this one's a diff- bit different. Under the lights, we're going to be on the field beforehand. Um, wa- quickly, Washington at Oregon. This is on our Who You Got To. This, every game for Oregon here on out is a must win. Yeah. Just the, they have to. Like After that loss to Georgia, they have to. I mean, they've scored 40 points in every single game except that Georgia game. They scored three in that Georgia game, and the lowest scoring game they've had since then is 41 versus BYU. God, Bo Nix's stat line is so beautiful to look at. 2,495 uh, you know, passing yards, 22 touchdowns, and an 88.5 QBR. And only five interceptions. Only five. Man can ball. It's great what you can do against the Pac-12. Look, man can ball. Mm-hmm. And then this Washington team, I mean, after they beat Michigan State, I mean, everyone thought they were going to be really good. That was still when people thought Michigan State were good. True. Um, two, uh, at least one more, maybe two more that we have to talk. Uh, number four, TCU at number 18, Texas. So this is a game because Texas went in, was favored against Oklahoma State, and they, lo- they lost that one. TCU knows they need to win out to make the playoff. That's their only hope. They know that. Tennessee fans are going to be praying on TCU's downfall, as some people would put it. Uh, Texas is a seven-point favorite at home versus TCU. This is giving me 2014 vibes. Hmm, yeah. Especially since TCU's done a lot. Like, Granted, they like got rid of their storied coach last year who took them to the Big 12 and everything. So, yeah. This is on our Who You Got as well, but this is another interesting one. And do we have one more? Yeah, I got you. All right. So, okay. You know what? This is always one of my favorites, so I'm going to talk about it. The number 20 Notre Dame Fighting Irish traveling over to M&T Bank Stadium in Baltimore, Maryland to take on the Navy Midshipmen. I always loved the Notre Dame-Navy game. It's one of my favorite kind of, I guess, rivalries, if you will. This one is at 11 a.m. Central Time on ABC, and I'm excited for it. The Not mi- really much The Midshipmen, oh, wow. per se. Mm. They're three and six. They're fighting for our country. They are fighting for our country. But three and six, not All right. Let's see what else we got here. There's yeah. gotta be one more diamond in the rough that we're just not seeing. I think Syracuse, Florida State can be pretty good. Maybe since Syracuse started off hot and then Florida State did not, or started off hot as well. Now they're competing in the former Carrier Dome, now JMA Wireless Dome. Hmm. I feel like I'm about to stumble across something really good here. Ah, here we go. So Utah State, Hawaii, this one is at 10 p.m. Central Time and is not on television. <laughs> um, the spread is down 11.5 in favor of the Utah State Aggies. The money line is minus 430 for Utah State and plus 328 for Hawaii. Over-under is 52.5 and game time weather is 79 degrees Fahrenheit. I don't know anything about this game, and I don't know who to pick. So Based off what I'm seeing, I think Utah State's right. And now I'm going to go with Utah State, because that's yeah, not on who that. you got. But yeah. that... It should be. But that is going to do it all for our college football talk. When we come back, 
We're diving into the world of the National Basketball Association. Don't go anywhere. This is the Eagle's Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. And welcome back into the Eagle's Nest, everybody. Again, Grace Blankenberg with Daniel Locke. Last time we talked about college football. Now we're getting into the world of pro basketball. The National Basketball Association is kicking off and going well. Let's run through the standings here real quickly, starting off in the Eastern Conference. The first seed is the Milwaukee Bucks at a record of 10-1, suffered their first loss this week, but they are at the top of the East. Followed in second place, both two games back are the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Boston Celtics. Wait, 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 wait. No. Yay, Celtics! Uh, Hawks seven and four and fourth. Uh, Raptors at seven and five and fifth. Bulls six and seven sixth. And in the play-in spots, uh, the Knicks, Wizards. 76ers and Pacers are all tied at 5 and 6. And in last place in the Eastern Conference, the Charlotte Hornets, who are on a six-game losing streak. How do you feel about that? Win Benyatta season, baby. Win Benyatta time. But LaMelo Ball is not playing the game yet this year. It doesn't surprise me in the slightest. You want me to run through to West? Sure. All right, so the current number one seed and the first NBA team to hit 10 wins, the Utah Jazz, who have Auburn's very own Walker Kessler on them. Second place, the Phoenix Suns at 8-3. and three. Also at 8-3, and three, the third place, Portland Trail Blazers, and fourth place, Denver Nuggets. Checking in at 8-4, and four, we have Ja Morant and the Memphis Grizzlies. Number six, the Luka Doncic-led Dallas Mavericks at 6-4. and four. In the play-in spot at 7-5, and five, the LA Clippers at... Um, six and five, the New Orleans Pelicans, the San Antonio Spurs at five and seven, and the Minnesota Timberwolves at five and seven are round out the playoff play in spots. Then, excuse me, coming in the bottom, four and six, Sacramento Kings, four and seven, Golden State Warriors, haha, uh, four and seven, Oklahoma City Thunder, hilariously, two and nine, Los Angeles Lakers, and then the two and ten, Houston Rockets, and just We've really seen that changing of the guard in the last couple of years because the fact that there are two below 500 teams in the play-in tournament in the west side and, well, I guess every one well, of the Well, there's a non-east team who's true. the Bulls are 6-7 and seven in the sixth spot. So yeah, good point. Really Everyone in much. the NBA is mid. That, yes, we'll just leave it at mid. that, except for the Celtics. And then the Jazz the are 10-3 and three after dealing their two franchise players. And Laurie Mankinen, is that how you pronounce I forgot how you pronounce his name. Walker Kessler versus Robert Williams III in the NBA Finals is going to be a good matchup. That's laughable. Um, so far this year, the I mean, I think like the Warriors will get back into form. I think eventually, like, I'm not worried about them. It's so everything's so mid. I mean, they're gonna. You think if you think the Utah Jazz are gonna hold on to get one of those top three playoff spots here, people are insane. I wouldn't say I'm worried about the Warriors because it's not like I lose sleep over the Warriors doing bad. But I I like Steph Curry a lot. I mean, I don't like the Warriors too much, but I like Steph Curry. I don't know. Um, I don't like him as much as I used to. Why, Daniel? Well, he's just kind of was disrespectful to the Celtics, so I just don't really like him or Draymond or any of them. <laughs> um, but yeah, the Lakers at two and nine now. LeBron's hurt. I think they're about to just pull the plug on this season. Yeah, and it's it's ridiculous. Like, this team is just so laughable. And it's they like, just, they deserve these misfortunes. They really do. It's like the thing they say, like, 
there's only one ball on. You give three yes. guys who are the best players on their former teams. Yeah, too many big personalities. It's like this is a very probably not amazing comparison, but it's like when you have a lot of people with dominant personalities on a trip and they're all like arguing about what the everyone on the trip should do next. It's kind of like that. It just doesn't work out. Leading the way in stats, Luka Doncic at 34 points, 34.8 points a game, followed in second place by Steph Curry, 32.6. Donovan Mitchell with the Cleveland Cavs, that's kind of still weird to say, yes. 31 and at .9 points. Giannis in fourth at 31.8. And Shea Gilgis-Alexander at 31 and .6 points per game. And then assists, James Harden, who's still out currently still, with 10 assists, followed by Tyrese Halliburton for the Indiana Pacers, 9.9. Chris Paul with Phoenix at 9.4. And Trey Young is also tied with him at 9.4. And Nikolai Jokic at 9 assists as well, which is kind of weird to see Nikolai Jokic with assists. Granted, he's like a big man, but he's a two-time MVP in a row for a reason. True, he can do it all. And then leading the way in three-pointers made, Steph Curry with 5.3 per game. Donovan Mitchell... Still, yeah, saying that on the Cavs, very weird, like you said. 4.3 per game. So Steph Curry with a commanding lead there. In third place, Damian Lillard of the Portland Trailblazers, 4.1 per game. And then tied for fourth, Buddy Heald of the Pacers and Desmond Bain of the Grizzlies with four per game. Um, Defense, Rudy Gobert, 13.6 rebounds a game. Giannis with Milwaukee, 12.2. Nikolai Vukovic at 11.9. Steven Adams with Memphis, 11.7, as well as Jared Allen with Cleveland at the same number. Blocks, uh, Brooke Lopez, 2.7. Evic uh, Zubek of the tra- uh, the Clippers, 2.4. I almost said Chargers since I saw LAC. Yeah, LAC. That's still <laughs> weird. Uh, Mitchell Robinson of the Knicks, 2.3. Knicks Claxton at 2.2. And Bulbul at 2.1. Bulbul's my guy. <laughs> Steals OG Anamanoli. You know uh, where he went to college? I do do not. He's a Hoosier. 3.1 steals per game. Fred Van Vliet also Toronto, 2.3 steals per game. DeJounte Murray of Atlanta is uh, 2.3. Jimmy Butler and Luka Doncic are tied at two steals a game. All right, so kind of going through, I'm just going to kind of start with last night, and then I'm going to talk about tonight. Or I want to say some of the standings real quick. Yeah, go for it. Still Portland, still my main, like, Surprise! I mean, I feel like the Jazz are still going to cool down a little bit, but Portland has just shown that they are still, maybe, who knows, this might be why Damian Lillard stuck around for a year kind of like this, where the big star names in the West, not named like the Suns, are kind of near the sitting at the bottom of the West. So Yeah. And then the East, um, it's the Cle- uh, Cleveland that high up is surprising to me. I mean, they went all in with uh, Donovan Mitchell, and they've they've – reaped what they've sowed so far. Yeah. So kind of a game last night that happened and really went under the radar was the Dallas Mavericks taking on the Orlando Magic down in the Sunshine State. The Magic were able to pull out a 94-87 to win, which is, if you don't know, very low scoring for the NBA. It's pretty rare to see not a single team break 100 points. But I was watching this one on League Pass since I really enjoy the Magic. They're one of my favorite teams. I don't really know why. Or not. I don't know, like, I'm not a Magic fan, but I really love Chumo Kiki, the former Auburn Tiger, so I like to watch the Magic, and I really think that one day they will do well again. But last night, Franz Wagner had 22 points. 
What you, do you like Franz Wagner? I don't really have an opinion. Didn't he go to Michigan? Yeah. I don't really got an opinion really too much on him. Franz Wagner. I, the Magic are so, like, bottom tier. I just don't think about him too much. Gotcha. Well, another really good game was the New Orleans Pelicans traveling up to the Windy City to take on the Chicago Bulls. The Pelicans were able to pull out a 115-111 to win, being led by Brandon Ingram's 22 points. Giannis Valanciunas' 13 rebounds, and C.J. McCollum's 5 assists. But you have to note, DeMar DeRozan had 33 points for the Bulls. So this Bulls team is just very interesting. Because like last year, they were very good, started slipping towards the end of the year, and lost to the Bucks. and I think the first round. Yeah, first round. Um, so I think that this Bulls team has the capability and the talent to like compete in the East. Not maybe not for a one seed, but I could see them as a three or a four if they get things rolling. Yeah, especially when they get Lonzo Ball back from injury. I think he can. I mean, they've already gotten Zach Levine back, so they're already doing better than it was. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I think the Bulls can make some noise, especially in that Eastern Conference where it's like really the Bucks versus everyone else right now, in my eyes. So tonight, a very good matchup on NBA TV against the Atlanta Hawks and the Philadelphia 76ers. I'm excited for this one. I'm going to be listening to it on the radio as that is about the time I'll be on the way back from Atlanta picking up a friend from the airport, but I'm excited for this. I mean, Philly needs one of these games soon where they can't slip too much right now and expect to come back. I just You hear so many people say, like, ah, the NBA is boring, I don't like the NBA. I've got to be honest with you, man. I I love this stuff. I just don't get how people can do that. But whatever. Teach their own. But tomorrow night on Veterans Day, a very, very big game up at TD Garden as the 8-3 Denver Nuggets travel to take on the 8-3 reigning, defending Eastern Conference champions. Hang the banner. Hang it. Oh, I can't wait for this game. Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart. This Celtics team Nikolai is so Jokic. Uh, um, Nikolai Jokic. Nikolai Jokic. Who else? Um, Nikolai Jokic. Nikolai Jokic. Um, but yeah, this Nuggets team is still pretty good. I mean, I mean, I mean, let me look at their roster. I feel bad not knowing too many of their names. You have Nikolai Jokic. They still have Aaron Gordon. Pretty big. They have DeAndre Jordan as their backup center. Really? Mm-hmm. And then Jamal Murray is returning to form. And then if Michael Porter Jr. can get to the form that people thought he would be, that's a scary team. And for this Celtics team, they need one of these like kind of biggish wins. I mean, they're on a four-game win streak right now. but Yeah, they're hot. Yeah, they both are on four-game win streak. So let's see who's can be more strong in that regard. Indeed. So we're going to step away to another PSA break. But when we come back, We've got, let's see, what is it? NFL Talk. NFL Beautiful. is king. Yeah, something like that. This is Daniel Locke and Griggs Blankenberg on the Eagle's Nest. Do not go anywhere. We will be right back. Welcome back into the Eagle's Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I'm Daniel Locke. Alongside me today, and as always, Griggs Blankenberg. We've had a great show so far today. In the first segment, we sat down with Adam Cole from Opelika Auburn News, talked some Auburn basketball. Then we previewed Auburn's uh, matchup with Texas A&M on Saturday. Then we talked about this week college football. And we just wrapped up a discussion on the National Basketball Association. Now it is time to head into something that has completely lost my interest, not going to lie to you, the National Football League. NFL is king, Daniel. 
Oh, NFL yeah. is king. No, I think NFL's court jester. That's that's why that's mm. all I'm willing to give no. it at this uh, Lies. current juncture. Lies. Just because your team has one down year, my team is always down. Doesn't mean you can be sad like that. So let's one just go down year. New Orleans ain't. We're back. <laughs> um, scrolling through it last week, something that came out real quick. Um, Justin Fields starting to look pretty good. <laughs> yeah, he's cooking. He's cooking up in Chicago. Dolphins win that one, 35-32. Lions beat the Packers. Packers are just bad, man. Yeah, I mean, he's Packers got, are rough. I don't get it either. I mean, when you don't have anywhere to throw the ball. I mean, this game, I mean, the leading rushing person was 81 yards from Javante Williams, I think. And then Adam Lazard is the leading receiver with 87 yards. So, not a lot of offense. No. Um, Jets beat the Bills. Josh Allen, 205 yards, two interceptions. But then the Jets really got it done. Yeah, the Jets are good. So it's going to be interesting near the top of that um, AFC North. I think so, too. Or is that? No, East, it's AFC East, East. East. I always get them confused. Yeah. Like, I don't think North when I think Ohio. Yeah, it's kind of crazy to think just there was no Monday night football game this past week. I think there was. I see no, 27-13 Ravens over the Saints. What are you looking Andy at? Dalton, hey, leading, hey, Andy Dalton leading – Passer though, two hundred ten yards. Nice guy, Andy Dalton. Griggs, I never thought I'd see the day when you just made up a game that didn't even happen. Are you are you spewing false information over the air right now, Mister Locke? No, you are. I am not spewing false information. I signed a contract. There was no game on Monday Night Football. None. I mean, I see one. I, but the Saints. But there was no game on Monday Night Football. How did the Saints' record drop from three and five to three and six overnight? Then uh, they lost the competition. Ah, okay. They lost the Saints. Lost the bye week then. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. All right, week 10, uh, tonight the mid-bowl for the uh, Pro Football Edition. Falcons versus the Panthers, 7-15 on Prime Video. Falcons are a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I'll be watching probably approximately 10 minutes of this game. Yeah, that's crazy. They're not good. Um, going on to Germany, this is one of our Who You Got games. An Allianz Arena. Ooh, Daniel, which uh, which uh, football team plays at Allianz Arena in Munich, Germany? Uh, The German national team. They play some games there, but which club team? Come on, it's I in. Know. I gave you the city. Munich. Yes, kind of, but there's another name in front of that that Munich name. Munich United. No. FC Munich. No, Bayern Munich. I, I was never going to get enough. that in a million years. $343 to get into this one. They that's, love their, they love their, love their American football in there, but Seahawks versus Bucks. I mean, but they get to see the GOAT in action in Germany. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Um, going up to Orchard Park, New York, the Bills taking on the Vikings, 12 p.m. on Fox. is also one of our Who You Got games this week as well. Um, my series going off my watch. Um, it's a noon game, so can this Vikings team, like, have their first, like, really, really monumental win this, this season? I don't know. We'll see. Does Kirk Cousins get to be iced out again? I mean, it's a noon game. Noon, Kirk Cousins is starting to become one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Yeah, we've been knowing that. Mm-hmm. Um, 12, Lions, Bears. I can't wait for that game. I'm going Bears. Dude, me too. Even though, uh, Jared Actually, Go- no, give me Jared- Dan Campbell. Mm, okay, Jared Goss been playing better this, this year than I thought he would be. Dan so. Campbell's a sleeper for coach of the year. I think you got to get above two and six to be coach of the year. No, you don't. Yeah, you do. No, you just got to be a good. You motivator. can't be entering the year on the hot seat next season when you're two. When if you win coach of the year the year before. Look, all you got to do in Detroit's win nine games. They're not yeah. winning nine games. It's, it's they have to win out every single game to be nine. 
Okay. Nine and six. Um, so you're telling me there's a chance. Wait, they play 17 games now, right? Yep. Okay, so never mind. He'd have to win every game but one from here on out. That's perfect. Or No, he'd have to win every game but two games from here on out. So. See? Can they run the table? Who knows? Easily. Nine and seven might get um, – them finishing nine and eight would make them like the top wild card seed probably. That would probably give them a 10-year extension. <laughs> uh, Broncos, Titans, ew. Uh, Titans, ew. I just can't even look at that one. Yeah, so that's a bad game. Very, very bad. Uh, Jags, Chiefs. Chiefs struggled against the Titans last week, but eventually pulled it out in the end. Lions, the Jags are nine bad. and a half. What? Jags are just bad. Yeah, the back. Jags are bad. Maybe it wasn't Urban Meyer. Maybe they're just bad. Yeah, you think? Maybe it was a combination of both. Probably yes. that. So I'm going to go with Kansas City on that one. Browns, Dolphins, 12 p.m. CBS. This, um, not Saturday. No, Sunday. My brain's not working today. Um, I think this is the last game before Deshaun. Wait, no, two more games before Deshaun Watson comes back. Yup. So, and then two has been looking pretty good, but there are now three teams in the East right now who are six and three or six and two in the AFC East. So it's gonna come down to the wire in the in the AFC East between the Bills, Jets, and Dolphins. I think. Yeah, I think so too. I'm gonna go Dolphins in this one though. Tua's been playing good ever since he's been back, but look out for a big day for Nick Chubb. Same. The who cares game of the week, Texans, Giants. I need the Texans to win at least one more game. Yeah. So the Panthers can get that. Oh, wait, no. Were the Texans – wait, no. The, they get Cleveland's first-round pick, not the other way around. Silly me. Yeah. So, I'm going to go Giants on this one. Even though I still – I mean, I said a couple weeks ago, if you remember, I don't think the Giants were going to make the playoffs. Now it's looking more and more since the NFC is just so bad, especially in the South. Yeah, if and the, the Saints still have a shot, they do. And the West looks bad as well. So True. I'm going to go with that one. Um, Saints-Steelers. Oh, my gosh. Ew. Ew. Are we favored? Uh, Yes, point and a half. Wow. That's generous. Over under 40. That's ambitious. <laughs> wow. I think that's the lowest over under of the week. Yep, lowest over under by a point and a half. No, by a point five. I Giants, think the over under is more like 22, 23. Yeesh. Neither team can score. Well, someone has to win the game. Yeah, or, you or can, can win tie. a game 3 to 2. True and fair enough. Uh, Colts Raiders first game of the. Je- we had to stop and talk about that for a second. Jeff Saturday being named the interim head coach of the Colts. Yeah, that's I mean, bad. I get that he's one of the best centers in your franchise history, but he only pl- he coached one year of high school football. He went three and seven or three and six at some high school in Georgia. He's on the ESPN desk, and then last week he was tweeting about his game from his job, which he was usually allowed to do. Said this Raiders team is so bad, and guess who his first game is as interim head coach? The Raiders. The Raiders. That sucks. Raiders are a six-point favorite in this one. I'm gonna go with the Raiders. Just, I think the Colts are on full-on tank mode now. Yeah. Cowboys Packers. This would be an interesting game many other years, but this one, not really. No, I'm going with the boys. I'm going with the boys. I don't want to, but I am. Yeah, I'm going with the boys as well. Cardinals Rams three twenty five on Fox and now, remember what I said last week? Our friend Joey pointed out. What did I say, Daniel? That is the, when the Cardinals do bad. When Call of Duty drops, when where though? At home. That is correct. And they lost last week at home. Now this week they are playing on the road at the Rams. What does that mean? 
Kyler Murray doesn't get to bring his setup. But then here's also my thought on that one. What is also near LA? Comic Con? No. FaZe, which he's a member of FaZe Clan. Oh, and so they have setups there. And so he will be able to have a nice setup, I think, there if he goes to hang out with the FaZe people since it's in LA. So that is why my statistical brain analysis says I'm going with the Rams in this one. This Justin, the Eagles Nest has certified gamers on the show. I'm just up to date on him being a, um, a member of FaZe, and I think he'll be able to. To They're going to be able to have a place to play that game. So I'm going with the Rams. That's something. Well, who are you going with in this one? Rams. So you believe with me too. Nice. Thank you for that. Uh, 720 Sunday Night Football, NBC or Peacock. This is on a Who You Got game as well. Chargers 49ers line is 49ers are a seven-point favorite. I think Debo Samuel is going to be back in this one. So is the Justin Herbert hype a little too much? Yes, 100%. I get that he's really good and he's consistent, but he's not like people already calling him top five. Yeah, no, he's not there yet. And granted, would I want him over Baker Mayfield or P.J. Walker? Absolutely. But would I want him over, like, a Patrick Mahomes? I mean, okay, let's do this real quick. We have a little bit of time left. And Commanders, Eagles, Eagles. Yeah. So we have another time. We have time for this one. Besides, like, let's get into this Justin Herbert discussion. Quarterbacks in the NFL, what quarterbacks would you want ahead of uh, Justin Herbert? Give me names of some quarterbacks you want. Josh Allen. Okay. Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers. Even his current state? Yes. Okay. Lamar Three. Jackson. Four. Um, Tua. Tonga Valoa. Really? You take two over Justin Herbert? Yeah. Wow. Uh, I just like the film better. Um, hmm. Let's see. I'm trying to think of big quarterbacks I haven't named. Um, Kyler Murray. You, you can restrict how much video games he plays. Um, like you're his father. <laughs> um, Cardinals tried. It didn't work. Yeah, well, I would command more respect. Um, let's see. There's got to be... Oh, Dak Prescott. At seven? Yeah. Uh, I think that might be it. Okay, so you got seven guys. I'm going to go with at least start off Mahomes, Allen. No question about it. I'm going to go Lamar, and then I'm going to go Aaron Rodgers, and then last one, I'm going to go with, yeah, okay, I'm ready to say this. I'm ready to go with Joe Burrow. Oh, yeah. yeah. Joe those those are my five. I just, forgot. I almost put Lamar him over Lamar. It's just I need to see more from Herbert because Herbert is just really, really good in the passing game, but Lamar mainly is known for his ability to, like, run with the ball, and granted, he can pass the ball as well, but... Since Hollywood Brown's kind of left, his numbers have dropped off a little bit. True. In that regard. So, and then, yeah, I'm going to go with that. Yeah. The five I would pick. I feel like that's, like, a very valid, um, like, selection right there. I would have to agree. And I just feel like um, – I think Dak's too much. My thing about the Dak is just he's had a few too many injuries for me to take Herbert. And Yeah. I mean, when you're getting – when Cooper Rush is being talked about taking your starting job, that can't mean a good thing. No, it can't be, but I still feel like he has the intangibles. Mm-hmm. So, I would be willing to give Dak Prescott a shot if I had to pick a quarterback, which I think my team will be you know, heading that route very, very soon. But that is going to do it for NFL Talk today. 
When we come back, we've got National Hockey League goings on. This is the Eagles Nest with Daniel Locke and Griggs Blankenberg. Do not go anywhere, please. Welcome back into the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM, where Griggs and I are just wrapping up our conversation about our weekend plans. So what are your weekend plans? Why don't you tweet at us at Daniel J. Locke or the Griggs B if you feel so inclined. But now it is time for my favorite league, the only one, or the I NBA. I said baseball is your favorite. It, it, it fluctuates. It fluctuates under which season? Yeah, I feel like that's normal. But I've just got to – I can't go another second without talking about who's at the top of the Eastern Conference. Do you want me to intro it for you? Yeah, why don't you do that? All right, starting off, let's start off with the standings. First off in the Eastern Conference, leading the East, and second place in the entire NHL are the Boston Bruins, 11-2-0. and He's going to play another sound. Uh, Which one's he going to pick? Oh, no, where's my applause button? Oh, well. Yeah, the Bruins – oh, here we go. The Bruins are in first in the, Atlanta, in the East. Yay. All right. The defense looks like it's shaped up a little bit. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Mary, at the beginning, we were like, yeah, we won our first game, but, like, our defense is, like, giving up, like, six goals, and I'm like, what? Yeah, I was pretty, like, confused about that. Like, we were winning games, like, 7-5 to five or something like that, but it looks like they got that figured out. The Their goal differential makes me think that is the case. Yeah. Um, Second place, Detroit. That's a team that's been kind of, like, loading up to kind of be back the mm-hmm. past couple of years, I think. Yeah. It's good when those one of those original six teams are always near the top who haven't been in a while, Both of, as both of ours being original six fan members ourselves. Yeah, I like that. Um, Florida is, Florida's tied with Toronto with 17 points, Tampa 15, Montreal's with 15. I mean, I said, I mean, Carey Price is a big difference maker. When he came back, he was out most of the year last year. Now he's back. So true. Um, Ottawa's in last. That was kind of my sleeper team, man. I still thought they'd do something. Just with yeah, all the, too. the talent they had in the off season. Especially when they scored seven on the Bruins, I was like, okay, maybe these guys are legit. But first place in the Metropolitan Division, the New Jersey Devils with twenty points. That's kind of a shocker. Yeah, I was not. I didn't see that coming. Did not see that coming at all. 20 points, followed by in second place by the New York Islanders at 18, and taking a step back since we last talked about on the show on a two-game losing streak, the Carolina Hurricanes. You hate to see it. But we hate to see it, though, right, Daniel? Oh, yeah, no, we, we like that. That's just some crowd people who click that. Yeah. Hate yeah. to see it. Um, Flyers are still kind of around that mid-pack. It's good. I like that. Just good year for Philly sports in general right now. Yeah. Um, Rangers still my pick out of the East to win to win the Eastern Conference. My sleeper pick, not doing too hot right now. Uh, fifteen points, and then rounding out the bottom are the Capitals at fourteen, Penguins at twelve, and the Blue Jackets at six. Which makes the Blue Jackets signing of I forgot what's his name just that much more interesting. Mm. I would agree. Western Conference, and another team I did not expect to see here, the Winnipeg Jets are leading the Central Division with 17 points, followed by the Dallas Stars. Yeah, they've been good, and that's just weird. Like It's it's just weird to see a bad team that's been bad for your whole life do good. Here's the funny thing. You remember that hockey guy you were showing me in the bullpen a few oh, that months ago? Yeah, you yeah. said you liked him. He just, if it was just a podcast version, it would be amazing. Yeah, I just don't like watching his videos, but I like what he has to say. My friend randomly found his. My friend Madison randomly found his videos and like 
fully got into hockey, and she picked the Winnipeg Jets as her team. Ew. Because it, they used to be the Thrashers, right? True. So that's how she kind of picked that team. And so I thought that was funny. The guy you showed me last year, he got her into hockey, and now – like she's like actually following like the Jets. Like the thing nowhere. about that guy is like he literally has a whiteboard that he like writes stuff on in his videos. So it feels like a lecture watching his stuff. <laughs> so I, I just can't do it. But yeah, the Jets are in first, star second, Colorado thirteenth. They were near the bottom of the central for a little while. They're now kind of starting to take shape. It's just that goalkeeper problem we brought up on the second week of the season that's mm. starting to become apparent. I mean, um Landeskog is still hurt as well, so Still, I'm I'm not counting out the abs whatsoever. No, it's still way too early for that. Yeah. Uh, wild thirteen points. I thought they'd be number two behind the Avalanche as of right now. Um, the Blackhawks are in the middle part of that division with twelve points. Coyotes are tied with the Predators at eleven. Last place are the St. Louis Blues. You hate to see it. I'm kidding. I love that. That is amazing. Yeah, it's it's nice. I don't have a problem with that at all. Uh, the Pacific leading the way in the points category for the NHL are the Vegas Golden Knights at 24 points, followed in second place by the Seattle Kraken. Who would have thought that getting more younger talent in the expansion draft rather than going for like people who you can name would be a big help to you? Yeah, I mean, what if the Kraken made a playoff push and got there in their second year? I mean, that'd be pretty impressive. I mean, it's still going to be ever hard to do what Vegas did. That first oh, yeah. I don't think that's ever going to be replicated in any sport, no. whether like in America that's still expanding, where mainly it's the MLS and the NHL. So yeah, never. I don't think that's going to happen again. Uh, the Kings, 17 points, five, 8, 6, and 1. Been pretty – Jonathan Quick, man, that man's still kicking. Yeah. That's surprising. I mean, I remember when – I remember starting to watch, like, the first little bit of hockey. I remember kind of like that uh, – uh, the Winter Olympics – us versus mm-hmm. Canada. I remember that. And then the Oilers at 16 points. I will say one thing about the Oilers. Um, do you see what happened to Evander Kane? Yes. We don't like him that much, but my goodness, that is – I've never really seen that happen before in that regard. Yeah, I haven't either. Just the way it kind of happened, and, like, it shows how, like, how sharp hockey blades, like, really are. I mean, he, like, ran to the bench. He was smart enough to put pressure on but he had a decent-sized cut that's going to keep him out for a while. Yeah, and I, I hate to see that like happen to anyone. I mean, granted, we're like the number one Oilers hating podcast in America, but yeah, we, you never really want to see people get injured. No. Um, Flames are twelve points in the Pacific. I think they were number one the last time we really dove into hockey, like two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Kind of taking a step back, and then the Canucks eleven points, San Jose at nine, and then Anaheim at nine as well. And that yeah. rounds out. The NHL and the standings. Going to the points against the same two as always. Connor McDavid in first, 29 points. Leon Dreisaitl in second, 26. Kucherov for the Tampa Bay in 21. Your guy Pasternak, 20 points in fourth. And Carlson of the San Jose Sharks at 19. The San Jose Sharks have always been a team like I've always kind of rooted for, but they just are bad. Mm-hmm. Um, goals, again, can't deny it. Connor McDavid, 14 goals. But look at Edmonton. Bo Horvat. Bo Horvat, Vancouver with 12. Carlson, San Jose with 10. Villardi of Los Angeles with 10. And Kaprizov of Minnesota at 10. Look at plus minus. Plus minus. Uh, Hamptons Lindholm of Boston with 12. 
tied also with Shea Theodore of Vegas and Ryan Graves of New Jersey and Morgan Geeky of Seattle. And then Joe Pavolsky of Dallas at 11. Huh, 11, mid. <laughs> One point back. Yep. Um, goals against uh, Oten Inger of Dallas. I think I said the name wrong. 1.4 goals a game. Huso of Detroit, 1.86. Carter Hart of Philadelphia, 1.97. Connor Haybuck with Winnipeg at 1.98. And Ulmark at 2.05. Kind of mid, Daniel. Giving up two goals a game. Look, man, it's not his fault that he gets no help from the defense. You have the s- highest goal differential in the league. It's not his fault. <laughs> um, other names. He's got the number one. He has the most wins in the NHL. I'll give him that. But sure do. Still going through this year. Like, what are like some of the surprising things really from you? I mean, out? I know this is gonna sound biased, but how the Bruins are like electric offensively is one. But kind of moving past that, um. Seeing, I know it's early, but seeing Colorado struggle a little bit has been one. Seeing Winnipeg be really good, and same thing with Jersey. Just watching those teams who are normally pretty mid at best just really compete um, so far. Like most teams have only played 13 or 14 games, so there's still a long way to go and plenty of time to change, but it's just been pretty impressive so far. Mm hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. It's been really impressive. In that regard, uh, for me, still standing out. I mean, we talked about it a little bit, but Detroit. I think the way they like had struggled in 2020, and then struggling again in 2021 and last season mainly, to now being like, you know, the top of the Atlantic. I don't know if this is sustainable, but it's good that they're up there. I mean, their goal differential is plus one, so they've been playing some very, very close games. But another team for me again, we talked about. I think you'd agree with this as well. New Jersey. Yeah. Did not see this coming at all. No, Jack Hughes is actually doing pretty good, starting to live up to that hype. So, yeah, I mean, same with Quinn. Mm-hmm. Just yeah, and then the teams we thought would be near the top, Hurricanes and Rangers are third and fifth right now. So, and the Penguins won their last couple chances they got with that main core, and near the bottom of that division. And then again, we said Winnipeg. Surprising, disappointing for me have been the Blues. I mean, yeah. Only a few years off of their cup run. Just not being able to keep that success. They didn't really make too, too many moves this offseason to help sustain that success. And they're kind of in that mediocre range right now for a little while. Yeah, I agree. And it's weird to see. And I'm interested to see if they can kind of get it back together. I think they can. And then the Avalanche, I think they'll come back in form eventually yeah, i think so too i mean they they have two games in hand over dallas at 17 points so if they win both those they're tied with them so not too worried about the avs me neither I'm trying to think uh, i think wild card right now is looking interesting but it's still too early for that yeah so i'm just kind of going to go through um like what's good this weekend mm-hmm. uh starting tonight even on espn plus calgary flames at boston bruins that'll be pretty good uh, also at 6 o'clock, the Vegas Golden Knights, the Buffalo Sabres, two kind of rebuilding teams. It'll be good to see you can get back first. This one's on Hulu as well as ESPN+. Plus. Edmonton at Carolina. I've got this one circled. Um, New York at Detroit, Ottawa at Jersey, and Arizona at the Islanders. Uh, and for good measure, we'll throw in Nashville at Colorado, a rematch of one of the first-round um, series of the NHL playoffs last year. 
And then Chicago at L.A., this one on ESPN Plus and Hulu. Then kind of looking at tomorrow, Pittsburgh at Toronto at 6 p.m., Tampa Bay at Washington at 6, then Minnesota at Seattle at 9. Then on Saturday, um, Carolina at Colorado at 8 o'clock, Winnipeg at Calgary at 9, and Detroit at L.A. at 9.30. Then on Sunday, hmm, Washington at Tampa. And that that's pretty much it for this weekend. That That's your must-watch hockey. That is your must-watch hockey. We're stepping away from football. If you're, Yeah, you're not watching football. There's some games you can watch. Yeah, I'm not watching football. But we're going to head to break now. When we come back, we're doing some sports trivia. Trying to guess some questions, see if you can guess them right with me and Daniel. But don't go anywhere. This is the Eagle's Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back into the Eagle's Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I'm Daniel Locke alongside me today, and as always, Griggs Blankenberg. We've had a loaded show today, opened up with an interview from Adam Cole, talked about all of our normal things, and now we are going to do some sports trivia. Let's do it. I'll. Do you want me to start with a question, or do you want to go with it? You can go first. All right, I'll do this one. This is kind of. A, we'll start off with a soccer one, so it's kind of interesting. Let's start off with it. All right, so the World Cup's been around for 100 years. Teams are announcing their World Cup rosters now. Yeah. Can you name to be the only team in the entire world who's been qualified for every single World Cup? There's only been one country to do it. Okay. Is it England? It is not England. Is it Germany? It is not Germany. All right, final guess, France. No. Okay. It was Brazil. Oh, yeah. Also, the club with the most World Cups. I feel like I could have gotten there eventually. Yeah, yeah, I feel like you could have. You were around that. You were naming some the teams I thought you would kind of near guess. All right. Which is the only boxer to fight against Muhammad Ali and win? Wasn't that um, um, like I um blanking on his name? I remember. I remember what where it was. Um. I can't remember who. Joe Frazier. That's what I was remembering. That's, mm. Okay, let me look around. This is where we're looking for constant people. <laughs> um, uh, which NFL team appeared in four consecutive Super Bowls from 1991-94 and lost them all? Who are the Buffalo Bills? That is correct. All right. Okay. Hold on. Here we go. Here's a good one. Let me... There we go. What do you call it when a bowler makes three strikes in a row? A turkey. You got it. Hmm. I'm trying to look for stuff. Oh, this one... I'm trying to think. Okay, here's a good one. I know you follow golf. How old was Tiger when he won his first Masters? 23? No. 21. 21. Darn it. <laughs> okay. Um, who has more tennis Grand Slam titles, Venus or Serena Williams? Serena. You got it. I'm trying to think. Just It's like all these random sports topics and like the same one. Um, okay. What year did the players go on strike resulting in no baseball World Series? 1994. That is correct. All right. Um, that's too easy. 
Okay, here we go. Yeah. Who was the first British player to win league titles in four countries? Uh, soccer. First British player to win three titles? Four. Four titles. Okay. No, win league titles win. in four countries. Win league titles. Okay. British player. Okay, I have an idea. Okay. I'm going to go with David Beckham. You got it. Let's go. I can game the teams, too. Does it have them there? Uh, no. Uh, I was going to say United, uh, PSG, Real Madrid, and LA, uh, the Galaxy. LA Good Galaxy. stuff. All right. I thought that's who it was. All right. What is the oldest ex- – but there's one uh, – all NFL franchises move around and change their names throughout the seasons, but there's one that has retained its name and location, earning the name of the oldest existing NFL franchise. Which team is that? Uh, New York Jets? No. Are they an East Coast or West Coast team? Middle. Okay. Green Bay Packers. That is correct. Okay. Who has appeared on the most Sports Illustrated covers? Who is Michael Jordan? You got it. Let's go. Trying to look at some. We were talking about. Some of these are like not good, but trying to look at these. Um, I'm kind of blanking on these now. Um, Who's the only player? Is it my turn to ask a question? Yeah. Who's the only player to win the Heisman twice? Ooh, that's tough. Um, was it Herschel Walker? It was not. I don't know. You're on the right track with colors, red. Okay. Was it OJ? Simpson? It was not OJ Simpson. Shoot, I don't know. Archie Griffith. Ah. Of Ohio State. Yeah. Which team owns the longest winning streak in NBA history? Like games? Yeah. I think it was one of those Lakers teams, right? Yep. Boom. Trying to think what else. All right. This one would be pretty easy. Which NHL team has the most Stanley Cups? <laughs> Canadians. That is correct. What is the record for red cards given in a single professional soccer game? Okay, so there's 11 people on the field at each time. Mm-hmm. So that's 22 plus... I think there's seven substitutes each side. So I'm going to go everyone got a red card. Is that 36? Yes. Let's go. Mm. I know ball. I know it. Um, All these same websites are having the same questions over and over again. I know, right? It's getting annoying. Um, they, Yeah, they just copied and pasted from like each different site. So I'm going off my own. Okay. Going off my brain trying to remember stuff. All right, Daniel, this is a little bit of a throwback here. You might know this one. During the Panthers' undefeated season, besides the Broncos, who was the only other team to give the Panthers a loss? Falcons? That's correct. Um. Oh, I've got a good one for you. So, in the 2009 Saints Super Bowl run, mm-hmm. the Saints got off to a 13-0 start and lost their, um, three reg- their final three regular season games. In 2020, the Saints lost three regular season games to the same teams. Can you name two of those three teams? Did that make sense? Yes. You said 2020? 2020 and 2009. 
They lost two games to the same team each year. Uh, they lost three games total to three of the teams. I'm just asking if you can name two. Bucks. Yes. Okay. Panthers didn't beat them that year. Um. Was it the Cowboys? Yep. All right. I can't name the other one. Who was the other one? Raiders. Let's go. I didn't even. That's a pretty good one. Yeah. Trying to think. Who holds the hit record for the MLB? Like he most is. consecutive hits in a season. Or no, most consecutive hits in a row. The record is a 56. Ted Williams? I think it's Joe DiMaggio. Oh, okay. Which coach came off the bench to play for his team in the Stanley Cup Finals? This has to be like moons ago, correct? Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know. Lester Patrick. That's incredible. I've heard of player coaches in the MLB, but never in hockey. That's got to be incredible. Like screaming from your behind your own goal line change. Yep. <laughs> We're running out of ideas here. We are. Um, man, we need college basketball to get back yeah. and swing. Uh, let's do. Let's just talk about college basketball at the end of this little bit. No, I've got one more. I really right. want to ask you. All right, let's hear it. How many knobs, switches, and buttons does an F1 steering wheel 36. have? Thirty-six. Thirty-five. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Must have added one. They added one. I'm. I'll die on that hill. All right. So start a college basketball. Some we talked about this a little bit last year. Kind of. Let's talk about it a little bit now. Uh, Louisville lost this night. I mean, um, Adam Cole mentioned a little bit. They lost to Bellerman in the first game of the. Um, what's his name, era, the uh, Kenny Payne era at Louisville. And with one of their worst teams hiring a pre- uh, getting a pretty good non-conference game off the jump. So not great, <laughs> I'd say, for Louisville, especially since they're a team that's been known to be one of the best, like, historic-wise, I guess. Yeah. Definitely not a good look. So kind of interested to see what they are able to do with this and see if they can salvage it. I don't think any ranked teams lost on Monday night. The only games that were played ranked teams, if I am, I'd be mistaking. Um, I'm just scrolling through this now. You, TCU only won by one. They're, one point, they're a place above Auburn, so Auburn may move up next week. Um, what else happened? I mean, North Carolina only beat UNC Wilmington by 13, so, I mean, that's basically a loss. Um, well, right now, Clinton College is live against Queens University. Why don't we take a live look in? And with 532 remaining in the first half, the Queens University Royals are leading the Clinton College Golden Bears 34-25. I remember, you remember when I was talking last year about my high school winning the state championship? Yep. And that one kid who hadn't gotten signed yet? Mm -hmm. Can you tell me where he plays? Clinton College? No, Glacier Queens. Sweet. Bro, but look where Queens is. Queens, New York? The Go back and see which arena they're playing in. Is it the Garden? No, click like the back here. I saw you were just on it. Go back to the schedule. And look, um, go back to the schedule, or go down. Curry Arena? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like literally in, it's in the heart of Charlotte. It's like right next to my best friend Finn's house. Oh, it's in Charlotte? Yeah. Oh, I was in Queens, New York. Oh, that's nice. Huh. Yeah, so Queens University, their first year D1, too, and they beat Marshall the other night, so they're 1-0. So their first 
game. It's weird. They're having a basketball game at 11.40 a.m. in the morning. Sure are. Some people aren't academic weapons like you and I. They played George Mason this year. I didn't think Queens and Auburn have many common opponents this year. But there they are. We can use the transitive property. So Queens will probably give them a good game then, apparently. Hopefully. Presbyterian Citadel. Oh, my goodness. Virginia Tech at Lehigh at five. Man, we should stick around for that. We needed it to get back into full swing. We have... Gosh, this I told you we, we could have done we could have done two weeks two days of NFL. All right, so moving into tonight, the Sacred Heart at Rutgers game should be pretty. Oh good. my gosh, um, Bethune is Bethune, Bethune Cookman covers Indiana. No, no way. What is the line even in this one? Third, thirty-one and a half. It's a lot of points. They they go to school too. I was gonna say they get paid to play too. That's my excuse for NFL spreads, but not, that won't work. Won't work as well for this one. Nope, they're on those full rides too. But yeah, that is gonna do it for our sports trivia and oh, called basketball talk. Yeah, when we come back, it's our last segment of the day. It's who you got. So don't go anywhere. This is the Eagles Nest on Weagle ninety-one point one FM. And welcome back into the Eagles Nest, everybody. We've had a long show today, but it is now finally time for everyone's favorite segment. We got our weekly pick em. Every single show we've had has had one of these. So let's just get right into it. Last week, Daniel went 6-4. and four. I went 5-5. Five and five. Woo! So our records are now Daniel at 63-47. and 47. I'm at 58-52. and 52. So I'm five games back at Daniel. But I forgot to put in my picks. Let me do that now. So let's just go ahead and get it started. Mr. Locke, first up, Alabama at Ole Miss. Daniel, you got? All right. So, um, Oxford, Mississippi, Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. One of the first times an Alabama team really got upset during the heart of the dynasty back in 2014, eight years ago. This Ole Miss team is good, and this Alabama team is struggling. So, I'm really curious to see where Alabama's headspace will be going into this game. So I could really see Ole Miss pulling off this upset. So I'm going to, excuse me, I'm going to go with the Rebels. I'm going to go with Alabama just because coming off a loss, if Nick Saban gets to three loss team, I, I pray for Tuscaloosa that they survive the wrath these fans might have. So in that regard, I'm going to go with uh, Alabama. Fair enough. Next up, UCF at Tulane. This happens this Saturday as well. Daniel, you got? Um, I don't. I said it earlier in the show. I don't really trust Gus Malzahn in big games on the road, so I'm gonna go with Tulane. I'm gonna go with Tulane as well. Just the losses that UCF has on their schedule, Louisville and ECU. Just and the amount they lost to ECU is what I mainly look at. Just I got Tulane. Now, moving up, we have Washington at Oregon. This is our guy, Bo Nix, doing well over there at Oregon. Oregon needs to win out to make the playoff. Daniel, you got? Give me Oregon, man. Uh, Oregon is, I really think they're a good team, and they've come a long way since week one. So I think they get it done here and beat Washington. I'm going to go with Oregon as well. Averaging, as I said earlier, they're averaging 40 points a game, except for that first game. They've scored 40 points in every game except the Georgia game. I think that'll continue. They're at home versus Washington, and they know they need to win out and they need to win convincingly to make that playoff. So, 
Yeah. I'm going with the Ducks. Going on down now to Austin, Texas, number four ranked TCU Horn Frogs taking on the, I believe, 16th or 18th ranked Texas Longhorns. Daniel, you got? I had TCU originally, but I just flipped it to um, Texas. I just, I think TCU's due for like, a choked game, and I think it's going to be here. I originally had the reverse of you. I switched to TCU. I think Max Duggan and TCU can get it done. This Texas team was favored at, on the road versus Oklahoma State. They lost to them. Texas has some interesting games this year. I think TCU can get it done. I think they're legit. Granted, I don't think they'll make the playoff, but I think they'll drop one more. So I'm going to go with the Horn Frogs on that one because they've not had really any true struggles yet. But we'll see what happens this Saturday. Going into the NFL now, the Seahawks versus the Bucks in Munich at Bayern Munich Stadium, Allianz Arena, or Allianz Stadium, I think is what it's called. It doesn't matter. Let's go ahead and do it. Daniel, who you got? Oof. You know, I just both the, this is rough. I'm gonna go with the Bucks, but man, it's rough. I'm gonna go with the Seahawks. You know why? Why? They wrote off Geno Smith. He ain't right back. And <laughs> that I'm was funny. I'm going Seahawks in that one. Vikings at Bills in Buffalo this Sunday at twelve o'clock. Daniel, who you got? Bills. No explanation needed, Bills. I really wanted to pick the Vikings because I like noon, Nirk, uh, noon Dirk, not Dirk, Kirk Cousins. But I just can't. Bills coming off a loss. They're going to be hungry. They know they need to start winning some more to get a bigger lead in that NFC, uh, AFC East. So I'm going with the Bills as well. Yeah. Chargers at 49ers. That's the Sunday night game this week. And Daniel, who you got? Oh, man. Um, give me the Niners. Uh, it's kind of hard for me to pick the Chargers right now, so that's really the only reason, but Niners. I'm going with the Chargers because of the fact that I still think Jimmy G is not good, and I think the Chargers can get it done. I think they're still a playoff team. And who knows, with how bad some of those teams in the AFC are this year, they could get that wild card spot because I think the Chiefs are going to win that the West, so I'm going with the Chargers. Yeah. Moving into the NBA Friday night, the Nuggets are traveling to the Garden to take on the Celtics. Daniel, who you got? I've got the Celtics, man. Uh, they're really hot right now. All the Nuggets really have is Jokic. So if the Celtics can figure out a way around him, they should be able to just ride on the victory. I'm going with the Celtics as well. I originally picked the Nuggets. I just think they're both on a, win, um, a winning streak right now for game, and I'm going to take the hot hand in this one. And, and go the Celtics just because they're at home. So that's what the factor I'm going to use. Our final two games of the week, we have the, the let's start both Auburn games. Friday night, the USF um, Bulls. Yes. Yep. Travel to Neville Arena to take on the Auburn Tigers, number 15th ranked in the nation Friday night. Daniel, who you got? Give me Auburn. USF is mid. They, so Auburn. They gave Auburn a game last year at um, – uh, what's the arena called? That Emily. Emily, and that's also where the Lightning play, and that's also where Auburn struggled in the SEC championship. But well, no more last year. But no more. I am going with the Auburn Tigers, and you are currently changing all the font colors on who our. Who I think's gonna win? Uh huh. Uh-huh. All right, moving on now down to our last game of the week it is the Texas A&M Aggies taking on the Auburn Tigers. This will be this weekend, Daniel. Who you got? 
for the first time in months, I'm picking Auburn. Picking Auburn. Your first time since Missouri. Yes, months. Literally months. Plural. Yeah, that happened at the end of September, so yeah, it has been over a month. Change the font back to black. I dare you. I dare you to do it. <laughs> oh, that's better. That's I like it. Um, I'm going with Auburn as well. I think the environment's going to be crazy, and I think this might be the final nail in the coffin for Jimbo and his time at, at um, A&M. So, yeah. But I could be proven wrong, but I just don't think he's going to last there. So, I'm going with the Auburn Tigers. But that is going to do it for our show today. We want to thank Adam Cole again for coming on the show, talking some Auburn basketball with us right off the jump. We love getting these um, beat writers in from the Auburn Talk about Auburn sports, but hey, Daniel, did, Hi, Griggs. did the Eagles and us have something on YouTube this weekend? We did. Griggs and I had the privilege of sitting down with Auburn basketball's very own KD Johnson, and the interview is up on our YouTube channel and is also on Weagle's YouTube channel. So if you feel so inclined to check that out, I would highly recommend it. You think we can link that in the description for the podcasts? I think we can figure out a way. We'll figure out a way. But go ahead and check that out if you want to, if you feel so inclined. We had a good time with Katie. Hoping to get more we stuff did. like that in the future. But again, that's going to do it for today's show. We'll be back again next week, same time, same place. But once again, for Daniel Locke, I'm Greg Blankenberg. This has been the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Thank you for listening, and War Eagle. Thank you for tuning in to the Eagle's Nest. We enjoyed bringing you updates on everything going on in the world of sports. If you missed any of today's show, you can catch the podcast version wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at Daniel J. Locke and at The Griggs B. Until next time, this has been the Eagle's Nest. See you next week.